a focused summary of chapters 44 through 46 of Pride and Prejudice. Elizabeth thought Darcy would bring his sister to visit her the day after she came to Pemberley, but instead he brought her the very morning of her arrival. Elizabeth's embarrassed manner in telling her aunt and uncle about the honor and their amazement at its being paid persuade them that Mr. Darcy must feel some partiality for their niece. Elizabeth is amazed at her own discomposure. She dreads the thought of disappointing Georgiana and fears every power of pleasing will fail her. When Darcy appears and makes the formidable introduction, Elizabeth is astonished to see that Miss Darcy is every bit as embarrassed as herself. She is tall, with a well-formed figure and a womanly appearance. She has gentle manners and a good-humored expression. Elizabeth quickly concludes that she is not proud, but only shy. Not long after, they are joined by Bingley. Had Elizabeth held any grudges against him, they could not have stood their ground against his unaffected cordiality. Given their suspicions, Mr. and Mrs. Gardner observe Elizabeth and Darcy with earnest attention, and though they can't be sure about the former, the latter, they conclude, is certainly in love. In seeing Bingley, Elizabeth's thoughts fly to her sister, and she longs to know whether his do too. She can see without a doubt that Jane does not have a rival in Miss Darcy, and the manner with which he asks after her sisters and expresses regret over how long it has been since he last saw Jane does seem to have meaning. Elizabeth continues to be astonished at the change in Darcy's manners. His expression is one of complacence, his accent removed from hauteur, and his manner free from self-consequence. He is civil not just to her, but to the relatives with whom any intercourse would once have been a disgrace. When they rise to depart, Darcy calls on his sister to invite the gardeners and Miss Bennet to dinner. Observing that Elizabeth turns her head away, Mrs. Gardner decides she is rather embarrassed than reticent to accept, so she engages for the attendance of the whole party. Anxious now to think well of Darcy, the gardeners are inclined to believe the opinion of the housekeeper. Nothing said by their Lambton friends lessens the weight of it, and they can find no fault in him themselves. They also learn that Wickham is not held in much estimation there, and they hear that when he quitted Derbyshire, he left debts that were discharged by Darcy. That night, Elizabeth lies awake for hours trying to make out her feelings for Darcy. She certainly no longer hated him. She even felt a shame at having ever disliked him. The events of the previous day had inspired her with respect and with feelings of a friendlier nature. But even more, she feels a strong sense of gratitude that he not only loved her, but continued to love her in spite of the acrimony of her manner in rejecting him. She realizes she had come to feel a real interest in his welfare, and she only wants to know how far she wishes that welfare to depend upon herself, and whether she ought to use the power she possesses to bring a renewal of his address. The next morning, Mrs. Gardner suggests they ought to repay Miss Darcy's civilities by waiting on her at Pemberley. Elizabeth is pleased at the idea, though she can hardly say why. On her way to Pemberley, Elizabeth cannot help but wonder how she will be received by Miss Bingley, whose dislike for her she is now sure derives from jealousy. She and the gardeners are received by Miss Darcy, 
who was sitting with Mrs. Hurst, Miss Bingley, and Mrs. Annesley, the woman with whom she had lived in London. Her manners are again marked by the shyness that could easily be mistaken for pride. Conversation is carried by Mrs. Annesley, Mrs. Gardiner, and Elizabeth, while Miss Darcy looks on as if she wished for courage enough to join, and Miss Bingley watches Elizabeth with close attention. Elizabeth finds herself wishing and fearing that the master of the house might appear, unsure which she feels most. The entrance of the servants with food provides the party with a welcome distraction. Then Mr. Darcy does appear, having heard that the ladies plan to pay a visit, and though Elizabeth had just resolved that her wishes predominated, she immediately begins to regret that he came. She resolves to be easy and unembarrassed, but the suspicions of her companions and the attentive curiosity of Miss Bingley make it a resolution more easily made than kept. Observing with jealousy that Mr. Darcy is eager for his sister to get acquainted with Elizabeth, Miss Bingley asks, in a tone of sneering civility, how her family is holding up with the militia gone. Wanting only to discompose Elizabeth, she does not realize that this indirect reference to Wickham gives pain to her friend. She knew nothing of Miss Darcy's meditated elopement. Elizabeth remains admirably collected, and Miss Bingley's efforts to turn Darcy's thoughts from Elizabeth only fix them on her more cheerfully. After the guests depart, Miss Bingley vents her feelings in criticism of Elizabeth, but Georgiana will not join her, and Mr. Darcy contents himself with coolly disagreeing. Persuaded as she was that Darcy admired Elizabeth, her continued criticisms do not prove the best method of recommending herself, but she does take satisfaction at least in seeing him nettled. Her sarcastic comments about Elizabeth's appearance finally provoke him into declaring her one of the most handsome women of his acquaintance. So, she ultimately succeeds only in bringing pain on herself. On the way home, Mrs. Gardner and Elizabeth discuss every aspect of the evening except what interests them both most. They discuss the fruit, but not Mr. Darcy. After long awaiting a letter from Jane, Elizabeth receives two at once, one marked that it had been missent elsewhere. The first half of the earlier letter relates commonplace news of life in the country, but the second half, dated a day later, contains information very alarming. Lydia had run off to marry Wickham. Jane knows little else and can only express hope that they had misunderstood Wickham's character. Scarcely knowing what she feels, Elizabeth seizes the other letter and opens it with impatience. This one contains news still worse. It is not clear that Lydia and Wickham intend to be married at all. Jane holds out hope that they have eloped, but her mother and father fear the worst. Jane expresses gratitude that Elizabeth has been spared all the scenes surrounding the disaster, but not moments later she picks up her pen again to urge her to come home. Meanwhile, Mr. Bennet has tracked them to London and will go there and try to discover them. Putting down the letter, Elizabeth darts from her seat, desperate to find her uncle, and as she does, the door opens and Mr. Darcy appears. Elizabeth says she must leave him and go and find her uncle, and he, seeing her distress, asks with a tone of real feeling whether she ought to send a servant instead. She agrees, the servant is sent, and she sits at the table, unable to support herself. 
Knowing she cannot conceal the truth, she tells Darcy the dreadful news. Darcy asks whether it is certain, and what has been done to recover her, and he blames himself for failing to make Wickham's character known. Then he walks up and down the room in gloomy meditation. Watching him, Elizabeth sees her own power sinking in the face of this family disgrace, and she realizes she has never more honestly felt that she could love him than now, when all love is in vain. When Darcy politely dismisses himself from her company, assuring her of his secrecy and expressing sorrow for her distress, Elizabeth sees him go with regret, feeling that they will probably never see each other again on such cordial terms as they did in Derbyshire. She regards this as the first of the inevitable casualties of Lydia's infamy, for she herself has no hope that Wickham and Lydia will be married. She knows Wickham's character, and she thinks Lydia's flighty affection and ready attachment make her easy prey. The gardeners return, and Elizabeth communicates the cause of their summons. They are deeply afflicted, and Mr. Gardner promises every assistance in his power. An hour later, they are all on their way to Longbourn.